Welcome to the Crossing Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for listening. We're glad you've connected with us. Our hope is that God speaks to your heart in a new way through this message. If you're new to the Crossing Church, please feel free to reach out to us by visiting our contact page or by paying us a visit. We would love to meet you. This week's sermon podcast begins in three, two, one. Last week, you know, when the snow was hitting, you know, they said six to 12 inches, right? And so we're trying to, we're trying to hang on and see uh, last Saturday, you know, what's it going to be, what's going to be. But, you know, I got up around 6 a.m. and it was already six inches on the ground. I said, this ain't happening. Uh, you know, and I was still recovering from surgery. So I said, you know, Marianne knew that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do any of the shoveling. And Caroline, my 17-year-old, they were going, just before they went out to shovel, Bob Zinn shows up with his big old snowblower. And Caroline got out of manual labor again. So there you go. <clears throat> But uh, thank you, Bob Zinn, for that. You know, that was so kind of you. Really appreciate it. Um, I tried to milk it another week, but by that time, the doctor had said, you can start doing some stuff. And I was like, all right, I guess i got to do some stuff. Well, listen, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading an article about Elvis. Let me ask you something. Everybody has to vote. You're not allowed not to vote. you got to vote. How many of you, when I say the name Elvis, know exactly who I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Okay, you can put them down. I would say 90%. That's about 90% balcony down here, main floor. I find that amazing. And i got to tell you why. Because the guy died almost 40 years ago. They're still playing his movies from the 1950s on television. They're still playing his music on the radio. In fact, we just leased a car. Our van, you know, was getting near the end of its life. And so we leased another car. And they give you three months serious. Uh, serious. Serious, right? They give you three months free serious. Did you know, obviously some of you know, there was a station dedicated to Elvis, all Elvis music, and I listened to it for a little while, I'm going, how do you, you know, how do you do this 24-7? I mean, I'm not sure how you do this. They have a whole station for Elvis on Sirius Radio, and most of you know, you know, what I'm talking about, but it is very, very rare to find a personality with such staying power. In fact, in his heyday, Elvis Presley was bigger than any star in the entire celebrity galaxy. Now, I say that, and I know people who are younger are probably going, yeah, it's, it's you, it's your experience. It's really, that's really not true. Yeah, it is true. And I was trying to think, how can I prove how big a star he was? And then I thought about it. On Sunday evening, September 9th, 1956, at 8 p.m., Elvis Presley made his first appearance on what was then the top variety show in America on... The Ed Sullivan Show, thank you. And he made his first appearance, listen to this, this is how big he was. About the same percentage of Americans tuned in to watch him that night as tuned in to watch the Super Bowl last year. Now, you know the Super Bowl, everybody's, it's like, did you see the Super Bowl? You're embarrassed if you say no. I mean, it means you're not part of America or whatever. So everybody saw the Super Bowl. That many people, that percentage of people tuned in to watch him that night. He starred in 33 successful films, had record-breaking live concert performances on tour and in Las Vegas. He had 149 songs appear on the Billboard Top 100 chart in the USA. 114 made top 40. 40 were in the top 10. 18 went to number one. His number one single spent a total of 80 weeks uh, at the top of the charts. He had 90 charted albums with 10 reaching number one. Globally, he sold over one billion records, more than any other solo artist. People still love 
Elvis. In fact, they love to impersonate Elvis, right? Not many years ago, we were down in Myrtle Beach. And uh, we're in Myrtle Beach for vacation. And I saw in one of these supper clubs, it said, you know, Elvis impersonator. And so right away, I said, I said to Marion, I said, we got to go. I said, we got to go, right? <laughs> so when I said I wanted to go see this Elvis impersonator, Marion said, no way, no way. And I, so I couldn't go, which, you know, she has many fine qualities, but she does not have a sense of fine culture, the finer things in culture, which is unfortunate. But listen, in spite of his enormous success, Elvis was, according to most people, according to anybody who was around him and lived near him, a very unfulfilled, in fact, they said he was a very unhappy man. He died of obesity and drug use at the age of 42. His former wife, Priscilla, was interviewed some years after his death, and her words concerning her ex-husband were as startling as they were tragic. She said this. She said, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. So he'd go on stage, and he wouldn't have to think about it. Possessing all the celebrity and all the money and all the influence that a human being could possibly have, and yet he died never having found his purpose. Never. See, it's only those who truly find their purpose in life who will find fulfillment in this life and in the one to come. The good news is this. It's never too late. It is never, ever, according to scriptures, too late. We've been looking at God's purpose for our lives, and a few weeks ago, we said that the first purpose of our lives, God's first purpose for us, is to receive his love and to love him back. The gospel says two things. We're worse than we think we are. We're more crooked, we're more depraved, we're more broken than we can possibly imagine or even grasp if we knew, you know, the depths of what is inside in the darkest recesses of our hearts, we couldn't even probably live with ourselves. And God's white-hot righteous anger, according to the Scripture, his white-hot righteous anger at sin and rebellion eventually is going to lead to eternal judgment unless somebody does something. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Bible says, came from heaven to pay the sins of mankind, to assuage the white-hot anger of God. So it's really kind of an interesting scenario, isn't it? God... Holy, just, passes judgment that's going to be carried out one day, fully and forever. And at the same time, he provides a way out because of his great love. He provides a way where we will not have to pay the terrible price. But it came at a terrible price, whereby men and women may be saved. Perfect, holy righteousness and unmerited love blended together. That is the gospel. The hymn writer said it well. How deep the Father's love for us. How strong beyond all measure. We just sang about it, didn't we? And when we humbly receive the salvation he offers, the Bible says we are saved. In fact, it has a term that it uses. We're born again. That's what the Bible says. And when you think about it, who wouldn't love somebody like that? if they truly understood the story. See, now my contention is that most people truly don't understand the story. 
When we receive his forgiveness, when we step upon the path he has laid out for us, when we begin to embrace and respond to his love, we have found our first purpose. And he begins then, right from that moment, he begins to mend the abject brokenness that mars our character and our personality and all our relationships, all our relationships, which brings us to God's second purpose. Two weeks ago, Matthew uh, let us know that God's second purpose for us is to live a new life of love for all people. Christ did not die for us merely to make it into heaven, but to begin to take on his look, to begin to look like him. And he took on our judgment for that. Part of that look of Christ is to love those whom he loves, mankind. It's not merely an emotional, fuzzy kind of thing, but the love that Jesus is talking about, this agape love, determines, you know, we want good for all people. We want to work for their good. It's, it's new. It's brand new. It's a new thought. You know, that word agape, it was, Scripture formulated a whole new meaning for it. It wasn't known in the ancient Greek culture like that. And it's not just for those who, who we hit it off with. It's for everybody. When we love those whom we on the surface see are unlovely or unlovable, we are never more like our Savior. We're never more than when we do stuff like that. Which brings us to the third purpose. Loving words and loving sentiments, you know, without loving acts to back them up, they're just hollow. They just are. You know, it's nice to say, as James said, remember in the book of James, you know, I wish you the best brother, be warm, be fed, but it doesn't really mean much if he goes out hungry and cold. So today we're going to look at God's third purpose for our lives, the third purpose of the crossing church, likewise, serving the world. Elvis Presley felt like he was here to do something His wife said he thought he was here to serve. He thought he was here to preach. He thought he was here to save, to do something with his life, but he never figured out what it was. We don't have to be like that. We don't. God's third purpose for us is to serve those whom God loves. God's third purpose for us is to serve God by serving others. Now, probably the quintessential verse that sums up this third purpose for our lives can be found in the book of Ephesians. Now, through the first nine verses that uh, Lee read for us a couple of minutes ago uh, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul's telling the church at Ephesus who they are, what they've been given, how great the Father's love for us, you know, how amazing it is. He gives them, in the first nine verses of Ephesians chapter 2, the gospel Read it through later. Read it through slowly. That's the gospel message. And he gets to the end of that chapter, and he it's something that, you know, biblical exegetes call the law of final stress. It is a section of scripture, and when you get to the last verse, usually that's what they're driving at the whole time. And so if you look at that first section, 1 through 10, they're driving at verse 10. Verse 10, it says this, God saved us, you're his sons, you know, he's got these great plans for you, blah, blah, the whole thing. Okay, thanks, let's go on to the next thing. No. Bottom line, verse 10 says this, we are God's, what? Workmanship, which kind of says what in your mind, that God's kind of constructing something, Right? Workmanship. He's working at it to make us into something. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He is speaking to a specific audience, but he was also cognizant of the fact that he was speaking to people who had not even been born yet. 
Good works that God had prepared in advance for us to do. God made you to make a difference. And what matters is not how long you live, but how you spend those years, how you live. If you're a son or a daughter of God, then the Bible says that God in the eons of eternity past prepared in a very special manner tasks for which you would be uniquely qualified to accomplish for his glory. The Bible says that we're created to serve. We are saved to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are designed to serve. That's what Paul was driving at in that second chapter. God made you unique, and your uniqueness is not for your benefit. The fact that you are the way you are is for others who just you, you're the kind of person that could do the job that needs to reach other people. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, we don't have it, but let me read it for you. Each of us should use whatever gift he's received to, you know what it says then? Serve others. Use any unique gift you have that you have received to serve others. Your talents are not for you. How many times have we said it here at the Crossing Church? It's not about us, folks. It's not about us. Our third purpose in life is to serve those whom God loves with all your gifts and all your talents and all your abilities and your backgrounds and your unique experiences, both good and bad, for the benefit of others to be used to serve others. We are here to serve the world. We serve God because of our love for him and what he's done for us by serving those whom he loves. We serve God by serving others. You were put here to serve God, and one of the primary ways which you serve God is to serve the people that he loves. Now, some people say, oh, I want to serve God. They just don't want to serve people. Don't work that way. It just doesn't work that way, okay? We serve God by serving others. Now, here's what I want to talk about just for the time we have left. How do you serve others? How do you serve others? How do you serve the world? How do you accomplish God's third purpose for your life? Well, two things. Number one, we accomplish God's third purpose to serve others by embracing our call. That sounds like ABC, C, Dick and Jane run kind of first grade reader stuff. But folks, I got to tell you something. It seems just obvious, as obvious as it is, a lot of times people, they never get this first understanding that they need to embrace the call that God has laid upon them as his sons. The Bible has a word for this type of service. And it's used throughout the all of Scripture. You know what it's called? It's called ministry. Now, when I say the word ministry or I say the word minister, most people think if you're not part of the Crossing Church, a lot of people think somebody with a collar or somebody, you know, who's, who's a priest or a rabbi or a pastor. They think of somebody, you know, kind of like that. But the Bible says that every single believer is a minister. It doesn't say that every single believer is a pastor. But every single believer is a minister. Ministry simply means using one's gifts to help serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. And any time you use your talents and your abilities and your background and your experiences to help someone else, you are doing what? Ministering. You are ministering. That's what you're doing. And you know what? Every person here, every man, every woman, every child, who has come to a saving understanding and faith in Christ, is a minister. Now, in the Bible, the word is very interesting because the word service in the English, if you look at the English translation, the word service and the word ministry are the same exact word. In Acts chapter 21, Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his Ministry, 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry 
the service of reconciliation, bringing God and people together. Then Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Same word. Same word. 2 Corinthians 8, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They were given money. Same thing. Winning people to Christ, given money. Same thing. Same word. All of us are called to ministry. We're all called to service. So you can't say, I'm not called to ministry, because the Bible says very clearly, and I could have used a lot more verses. I just threw, threw a few in there. The Bible says very clearly, you are and we are. If you are called to salvation, if you have been the recipient of God's unmerited favor, if you have been the recipient of God's grace, not because of anything that you have done, but just because, just because you are called to serve and you are called to ministry. Every Christian is a minister. Now, the question I would have when someone tells me that something is expected of me is how, right? How do I do that? Uh, I want you to organize lunch. I want you to build a shed. Uh, I want you to fix my washing machine. So you go, well, well what do you, how much does do that? Okay, yeah, what, how, how, do, how do I do that? We'll go to Costco, you know what, and they have, all the way in the back, they got these platters for, we'll start off with a little fruit, get fruit, and then, you know, they got these big bulk of plates, and you can buy the plates down, there, down that other aisle that's near the front, they'll go there last just before you get on the line, and then, you, you know, you can get this, that, and the other, and you, you tell them how to organize a lunch. That is a very good way to help somebody figure it out. But you know what a better way is? A better way is not just telling them. A better way is showing them how to do it showing them how to do it. Now, the good news is that God not only told us his third purpose for my life, he showed me how to do it. He gave me a model, right? You know the answer to this one, right? This ain't hard, right? His name is Jesus. And Jesus came and said, this is how you do it. Watch me. And God took on flesh, and he said, this is what I want you to do with your life. This is what I want you to do. And you know what he said? In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus said it all. I, th I think this really just sums up everything. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says this. Jesus said, your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. And what you will find is that as you begin to seriously institute this third purpose in your life, really think about it and really embrace your call into your life and you become a servant, as you will start to develop a servant mentality and you will begin to cease being the center of the universe. That's amazing. When, when that realization hits you that, you know what? Yeah, I don't think the planets do revolve around me for some reason. And the whole family doesn't revolve around me. And everybody at work shouldn't be revolving around me. And, at, you know, at school and everything else. It's an amazing realization. But when you become a servant, God begins to change your heart and your mind and your emotions. And you begin to have those aha moments. When you begin to say, aha, this is what I'm here to do. This is what I'm here to do. And God will bless you. We accomplish God's third purpose to serve others by embracing, first, our call. Second, we accomplish God's third purpose to serve others by ministering as Jesus in the same way that Jesus did. Now, I'm thinking about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, actually two weeks because we had last week off. And two things stand out to me as being central to how God modeled, how he modeled service to me. 
The first thing is, and this sounds, again, real obvious, but I think sometimes it slips by me. He was available. He was available. Do you know that most of Jesus' ministry and most of his miracles, do you know that they were interruptions? Think about this. you got to think about it. Most of the people that he healed, the blind man, the lame man, the sick people, uh, most of the sick people, a paralyzed man, a dead child, all of them were interruptions. In other words, he was going to do something, and somebody stopped him along the way. His first miracle, you know what his first miracle was? It was turning the water into wine. It was an interruption at the wedding. He's, happy, he's probably dancing. He's having a good time, right? I mean, he's, he's, you know, it's a great. It's a wedding. It's a party. And his mother comes up to him and says, you know what? We, the wine is like, okay. It was an interruption. Even his first miracle. How many times do you read in Scripture, and Jesus stopped? You're, you're reading something, and he goes, and then, and Jesus stopped. I thought about, we should do a study, stops along the way. In fact, I don't know where Matt is. Matt, start working on that right away with the, with the graphics. Would you do that? Stops along the way, all right? We would see how many times Jesus stopped on his way to doing something else to serve, to do ministry. Almost every miracle Jesus did, he did it because he let himself be interrupted, he let himself be available. If you want to be used by God, if you want to serve God, you got to be available. And sometimes, you know what? Being available means being interrupted in what you're presently doing. Proverbs 3 says this, 328, never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help them today. Sometimes service means being open for God's interruptions. Here's how John Wesley uh, used to say it. This was his motto, John Wesley. Do all you can by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you ever can. you got to be available. Often opportunities for service appear out of nowhere. They have most of the time never been scheduled in. Being available means to say at the start of the day, before your feet hit the ground, right? You're laying in bed and you say, you know, oh, it sticks. I don't want to get up and I don't get you hit the snooze button. Before, okay, just before your feet hit the ground, it means praying something like, Lord, this is what I plan to do today. Bless the plans. But God, along the way, if you want to stop me along the way, help me recognize an opportunity for what it really is. Help me to not be so dense or not be so wrapped up into my own thing to not see the good work that you have prepared in advance for me to do. See, that's the prayer in the morning. There are hurting people all around us, wounded people all around us, and their wounds will not wait. They will not wait. we got to help them now. But, you know, there are some things, there's a lot of things, but I, you know, You'll kill me if I go on too long. So I whittled it down. I really whittled it down. I think there are some availability killers, I call them, AKs. They kill our availability all the time. And I think the top three for me were this. I think, number one, the first availability killer that doesn't make me there for God when he wants to use me is self-centeredness. You know what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2? It says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Anytime you have a need staring at you right in the face, and it's real, real, real obvious that somebody needs help, God is probably giving you an opportunity to learn to serve, to learn to be like Jesus Christ. Because the number one enemy of compassion is busyness, which is often linked 
to self-centeredness. We just get so busy doing this, that, and the other thing, we don't even have time to serve. The chief availability killer, uh, I, I think, when it comes to self-centeredness, Google schedules. Man, your Google schedule, whether it's, it could be on the computer or mental or, or something else, you know what? If, if you got an agenda that cannot be changed, this is the way today's going. I got my plans. I got my goals. I got my day. I got my many steps that are going to you know, lead me to my agenda. If you got that set in stone and you can't be moved off that spot, you will never be available. Never. You know what the problem is? When we stick to the, you know, and we cannot move, basically we hang a do not disturb sign in our hearts. We do. We do it all the time. We say, do not disturb. Don't disturb my heart. I got my goals. I've got my little life going on here. You know, we got this thing going on. It's starting to put it together. Don't disturb me for the needs of other people. And we think that, you know what? We're so magnanimous. We think that every now and then if we throw a good work out there, you know, eh, we do this, we give money to this, we'll help this person. That, you know what? Somehow it's going to hide the true inner nature of my heart. But you know what? People know. I'll tell you something. People know. Right now, if I said to you, for instance, think of three people who you would consider servants, people who have a servant's heart. You know, I'll bet you most of you can think of certain people. I bet you can. If you can't, that's really unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. But you know what those people are like. What are they like? They're the kind of people when you have a need to stop. And they'll, they'll do what they can. They'll, they'll rush in to meet the need. If you are developing a heart that is more God-centered like Jesus and less self-centered, like we're kind of, it's natural to us, that's our default, you are going to recognize interruptions as maybe being God-ordained opportunities. We have this self-centeredness that kills our availability. It's a barrier that needs to be broken down. What are the things keeping you? from the good works that God have planned for you. For some of us, it may be self-centeredness because it kills availability. Here's another one, all right? Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Let me, now, let me say immediately, it's not some, perfectionism is not someone striving to do well, to do the best they can. That's not perfectionism. Perfectionism is someone who, you know what, they have this picture in their mind, and this is the way it has to be, and there can't be any deviation. And if there can't be any deviation, you know what, it's just too exhausting. Why even start? Why begin? It's not someone who strives to do excellent things. It's that, you know, some people have no targets that they ever aim for in their life. It's not that. It's not being able to move off a spot because you can't put into practice the picture that you have constructed in your mind of how things should be. You know, uh, she has an obvious gift of hospitality. But the thought of someone coming into her house and seeing uh, just one cat hair, you know, on, on the arm of the chair, the couch, and, that she couldn't clean up because she was working all day. Then she had to run to Costco, and then she runs home, and then she picks the kids up, and she does all this stuff. So you know what? There's no such thing ever as hospitality, even though God has gifted. The Spirit of God has gifted her with the gift of hospitality, but she can't exercise it. Why? Can you imagine if somebody saw a dust bunny? I don't think anybody has dust bunnies in their house. What if they see it in my house? See, perfectionism... It kills availability. Kills it. Ecclesiastes 11.4 said this, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. The uh, New Living Translation translated Ecclesiastes 11.4 this way, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. <laughs> That's a good translation. 
real servants, Christ-like servants, do the best they can with what they have to serve others in Jesus' name. They don't eternally wait. They trust God to do something. Things do not have to be perfect for God to bless them. Did you know that? They really don't. Perfectionism kills availability. Here's one more. There are many others, but materialism. Materialism. It's the third barrier, I think, that keeps us from uh, being available to serve. Jesus said, no, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. He didn't say you shouldn't serve both God and money. You know what he said? You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve both God and money. you got to decide whether you're going to strive for comfort here and now or there and then. Basically, a lot of times it comes down to that, whether you want to be rich or whether you want to be blessed. Now, I'm not talking to everybody. And you know what? If God has blessed you materially, I got to hang on. Just hang on because now you're starting to shrink in the chair. Just, just relax one minute, okay? You can't serve God and money. It's an impossibility. You get so busy many times, we do, taking care of things that we have zero time to care for people. And that is a big problem. One of the most important decisions that we're going to have to make in our lifetime once we become a believer is, am I going to be a kingdom builder or am I going to be a wealth builder? Now, some people have the gift of making money. God has blessed them and they give liberally. But listen, even to those people with that gift... Even to those people with the gift of making money, if making money means that you can never have any time to reach out and to care for people, to be available when God says, here is someone in need, I got a news for you, you better change your thinking. You got to start rearranging things, okay? I don't care who you are. This is for everybody, for everyone. If your job is keeping you from having any kind of service, you need to make some kind of adjustment. And if you're tempted to say, well, Pastor Tim, that's fine for you to say. You get paid for your ministry stuff. Let me just tell you, if you say that, you don't know my, my story and you don't my, know my history. Because for seven years, I was an unpaid assistant in this very church before I became pastor. I, I was humping paint up ladders and painting houses and factories and all kinds of things like that. And then all weekend on Saturdays and Sundays, I would minister here in this church. Okay, so don't, don't tell me about, you know, I, I get it. I do get it, okay? Enough said about that. We accomplish God's third purpose, to serve others by ministering as Jesus did. The thing I see that stands out to me in the way Jesus ministered is that he was Available. Now, listen, I want to make one more point. It's going to be a brief point before I'm done. If we are to serve as Jesus did, we've got to decide under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to be available, to be out there. We've got to be available. All right, one more point. One more. Okay. He was available. He was faithful. He was faithful. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be faithful? It means you don't give up. It means you keep going. You don't quit. You, you don't stop in the middle of the assignment. At the end of Jesus' ministry on earth, he said in John chapter 17, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. That was his prayer. Jesus was faithful in fulfilling his service. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. He was persistent. If we are going to be like Jesus, it means that we're going to serve for as long as we are alive if you are not dead, you are not done. That is our motto. 
I want you to be able to say when you get to heaven, as I am to give an account for you, and our elders are, are to give an account before God for you, I want every one of us to be able to say, when we get to heaven, I completed the work. I, I, I put my arms around the purpose, God, that you gave me. I was available. I was faithful to the end. In Acts chapter 13, 36, it was the best thing you could ever say about somebody. At the end of their life. You know what it says about David in Acts 13, 36? It says, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. When he had served God's purpose, he fell asleep. You may retire from your job someday, but you'll never retire if you are a believer from ministry. Never. You're never retiring from service because God wants you to serve the rest of your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, the one thing required of servants is that they are faithful. Filled with faith. Faithfulness is rarely seen in big, splashy acts of service, but in little things that few people notice. But you know who notices? God notices. How do we be faithful? We have no idea the significance. Let me just say this. We have no idea the significance of our small little acts of service. Real servants do every task with equal dedication because they know it all matters. It doesn't matter if you're doing something that is really important in the eyes of the world and well-known. You know what? That's not what's important. Don't mistake being something that's anonymous with something that's significant. Please, please, don't mistake anonymous with unnecessary just because it's not known doesn't mean it's unnecessary. Let me give you a little quiz this morning. Ready? So we close out? Let me give you a little quiz. See if you know the answer to these. Do you know the name of the person that greeted you this morning at the door? Some of you, but most of you don't. Do you know the name of the guy who changes the light bulbs around here throughout the building? Do you know who, right as we're speaking right now, is teaching your fifth and sixth graders in Club 56 downstairs? Do you know who's sitting with them right now at the end of the hallway? And they're looking at their watch. They're going, I hope he doesn't go over. I hope he doesn't go over. Right now, do you know who that is? They're serving you. Do you know the names of the musicians and singers? Annalise, it was good to have you. We had a new guitar player today. It was good to have you. Annalise, I gave you away one of the names. There you go. Do you know who decorated? You know who decorated for Christmas in this place and made this place look gorgeous? Do you know who makes coffee in the morning? Do you know who sits with the kids and babysits at our Renew Ministry in Patterson, New Jersey? Will their moms take classes to move ahead with their lives? Do you know who they are from our church? Do you know who sent you flowers when you were in the hospital? Or who figures, how do we make this dollar stretch a little bit further to do more ministry or even pays our bills at the church? The truth is many of those people are anonymous volunteers. It's all important. It is all important. And we have opportunities. Many opportunities waiting for those who are here and receive the call and make themselves available and want to be faithful. We need men and women to volunteer to be trained to come alongside of men and women coming to the Renew Life Center who, you know what, that's their last stop for some of them. It's their last stop. I don't, you know what, after this, we're done. We're not going anywhere else. We're not going to try to make sense of this whole thing called life. It's their last try at trying to make life work. We need people to work there. We need people who'd be willing to train on the technical end of things back on the bridge. You know, you're seeing this stuff, and you got the lights and the music and this. Somebody's running that. They're doing it for you. They, they can't even enter fully into the worship and everything else because they're saying, am I hitting my mark? Am I doing this? Am I getting the right thing? He's going to kill me if I don't get this up here right now. I, I know they're doing that, so they can't, even, they can't even worship the way we do. They're back there. But you know what? We need more people so we can spread it out. 
We need people who will stand at the door and, you know, and work with uh, Rashida and others on, on a Sunday morning and warmly greet people and let them know they're not a visitor. They're a guest. They're our guest, and we want you here. We need more people in pastoral care with Doug and Lee Nearpass visiting in the hospital, writing notes. We need people who will simply and honestly pray with people at the end of the service up here at front and, and before in the auditorium. We need people to prepare coffee and cookies. Bob Zinn needs people on the maintenance team. This is a big plant that we have here. We need help. We need those to make meatloaf for the soup kitchen. We need people to come alongside and care for orphans through world orphans. We're going to be talking a lot more about that. We'll need folks in the near future to do the significant work that we are preparing for an after-school ministry, not babysitting, an after-school ministry downstairs in our building, and 99% of them are going to be kids from the outside, okay? You're going to be hearing more about that, okay? We'll hopefully launch in September. There are always more needs to be met than people willing to serve. He brought you here to serve. And he knew that you have a background and a talent and a skill and an ability to contact. You know, you got a Rolodex and networks and interests and hobbies, whatever. God brought you here for a reason. We serve God by serving others. The fact is God wants to use you. He really does. Now listen, when you boil it all down, you do two things with your life. When you boil it down, there's only two things. You waste it or you're invested. That's it. And you know what? The best use of a life is to invest it in something that will last forever. That's the best use. One day, you're going to stand before God, and he's going to say to you, what would you do with what I gave you? You know, you looked at that experience as bad, but I knew it would make you a different man. I knew it would make you a different woman. That's why I let it happen. And I want you to serve with all your guts, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. We serve God by serving others, and when God says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You spent your life serving me. Well done. That's all that's going to matter. That's all that's going to matter. One day, Napoleon, he pointed to a map of China, and he said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will shake the entire world. I think the crossing church is a sleeping giant. I really do. If everyone who came here served here, what kind of enormous spiritual nuclear reaction would we see in western Essex County? What kind of reaction would we see if everybody served? I make no apologies in saying to you that the most important thing you'll ever do with your life is to find your purpose and then pursue that purpose with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength to love God to love others, and to serve the world. Serving God and ministry to others, it is far more important than your career. It's more important than your hobbies. It's more important than anything else you could think of because it's going to last. That's it. You were put here on earth to practice serving. We serve God by serving others. Let's get going.